We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which we meet, the Yagara and Turbal people of the Mianjin Nation, and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Marvels, the podcast where we critique, criticize, and crucify Marvel's pop culture paragons through a queer feminist lens. I'm Lisa, and the pimp to my particles is Dana. Aww, hello there, queer comrades. There is no denying that superheroes influence and inspire people from all communities, so we want to explore what that representation is, if any, that's available to viewers from outside a straight male lens. Who better to explore this than your favorite discourse dykes? That's us. We're the discourse dykes. That's all we. That's uh, what we are. What yes. we do. I only just started loving that word. Like <laughs> probably in the last three years, I've been yeah. like, yes, it's mine, and no one can take it from me. Well, I didn't even identify as a lesbian until like two years ago, so I <laughs> used it. I see it online all the time, so like it's just kind of, you know, lesbians use it. So I'm a lesbian. I'll use it. Yeah, no, I, I had um, bad experiences with it growing up as a kid, but then I'm like, yeah. you know what? Fuck them. It's mine. They can't, have, they can't use it. Yeah, absolutely. Taking it back. All right, what are we watching this week, Lisa? Okay, so we're watching Daredevil, the mm-hmm. 2003 one, uh, written and directed by Mark Stephen Johnson, starring Ben Affleck, Jennifer Garner, Michael Clark Duncan, and Colin Farrell. Wait, hang on a minute. 2003? Yes. It's fucking 17 years old. Uh, well, it shows. Oh, my it shows Lord. It does, but holy... I remember watching this one like, oh, no. Okay. The, the epitome of aging is like, <laughs> as we go through these 2000s movies. Yeah, as we go through... Well, we've got Blade coming up next, and that's 1999. Um, that, I was four when Blade came out. 1998, sorry. Oh, 1998. I was, I was three when Blade came out. <laughs> a baby. Yeah, I was a baby <laughs> as well. I'm not that much older yeah. than you. I know, but wow, time. You were time. a baby. I was a baby. baby. I'm still baby. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so we have some content warnings for this episode. So um, mm-hmm. the content warnings are discussions of rape, violence against mm-hmm. women, femicide, racism, and ableism. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, an action-packed episode, I can see. Oh, yes. Uh, hopefully <sighs> this one won't be too long because it's a bad movie. <laughs> no, it's not. And uh, there's very little to talk about. Again, we keep finding this problem with these old ones. I can't wait till there's a woman in these movies. <laughs> Maybe two. Two if we're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, are we going to do a summary? Yes, let's, what are we... um, I didn't write down the uh, the plot of it so because I, I thought it would be funnier if we just did it off the top of our heads. Okay, let's see if my um, infallible memory strikes again and actually helps me out. Um, how do we start this film? Do we start it with uh, He's getting him... beat up in an alley, I think. Yes. Is he? Um, well, the kids are picking on him and he runs away. Oh, yep, 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 yep. So we do start with him as a kid. Yes. Um, we start with him as a child being beat up. Um, he runs off and runs straight into a truck that oh, gets not quite the back yet. of it. Not quite yet. No? no um, so the kids that are picking on him are saying, your dad works for Fallon. And Matt's like, oh, his name is Matt Murdock the daredevil mm-hmm. um and so uh he's like no no he's not no he's not and he comes home and then he asks his dad you know are you working for fallon and he's like if i was working for fallon do you think i would have to bust my ass down at the docks every day and then yeah 
So he gets in a huge fight with his dad because his dad, he finds out his dad's working in organized crime. And then he runs off and then he gets chemicals in his eyes from the weirdest truck accident I've ever seen. Um, and we go to him in the hospital and in the hospital, he is just like hearing everything like tenfold. Mm. Um, the, what wakes him up, I think is the drip of the water mm-hmm. from the, um, IV. what's it called? The IV. Yes. Into it. And it's just going, and he's like, what the fuck? And like panics and freaks out. Yeah. Um, and Yes, so we get that intro to introduce us to the fact he's got this, I guess what they call radar sense, where he is blind, but all of his other senses are functioning much more than an average human's. Mm, especially his sense of hearing, because it acts like an echolocation. Yes. Is that what it's called, echolocation? <laughs> yeah, yes. um, yeah, like a bat. Like a ah. bat or a whale. <laughs> bats and whales, bats and whales. Bats and whales. Scrubs reference. After this, we see that he is... What is he doing? He is training. He learns how to fight. Mm-hmm. He's sitting there with his dad. He's also encouraging his dad to go back into boxing mm-hmm. instead of being an organized crime fighter. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he trains and learns how to parkour around the city while his dad is learning how to fight again. And what happens is there's a big match and his dad gets approached and told to throw the match and they'll pay him a lot of money if he does. But he doesn't. He instead battles through because he knows Matt would be disappointed in him. And then he is murdered, tragically, in an alleyway. And... Matt, yeah, doesn't know who's done it. Mm. So, I mean, he has an idea that it's Fallon. But, yeah. Um, I mean, like, that would be the logical conclusion. But, yeah, you're right. He doesn't know who's done it. He doesn't know who's demanded he throw the fight. He just knows that he was asked to throw it. Mm. Yeah. So we cut to present day where Matt yes. is submerged in a um, metal tank full of water where he sleeps because otherwise he won't be able to sleep. Um, Everything's too overwhelming. And I don't know how he can afford it when he gets paid in fish. <laughs> yeah, pro bono lawyer. Um, oh, I guess, I don't know what the answer is here. I think it's just most, they take some cases and then the majority of the ones that Matt wants to take are pro bono cases. Mm. But then Foggy every once in a while is like, no, we need to take a real case so we eat. That's true. Like, and keep our practice open and can like pay our secretary and like get everything done mm, that's true yeah um so we just kind of like learn a bit more about matt he's uh they're at the diner him and froggy and he notices a woman come in um and mm-hmm. he smells her which is incredibly creepy and then yeah. he hits on her and then she isn't interested and then he follows her out to a park. Again, she's not mm-hmm. interested. He grabs her on the arm and she's still not interested. And she says, don't touch me. I don't like to be touched. And then she doesn't give him her name until they have a big battle. Which a big is playground a fight. A big playground fight, which is like, it was really fun. I mean, aside from the problems <laughs> of like Matt not leaving her alone because he yeah. continues to, you know, stalk her and no means no matt exactly. just leave the girl alone and um that they have this fight which i thought was really cool because um as dana pointed out in in our notes that um that uh jennifer garner and matt uh ben affleck ben were affleck married or together they were they weren't married yet but it's suspected that they were either dating or this was the movie that led to them yeah dating so they have a lot of chemistry and i thought that was a really cute fight between them because they're both having a lot of fun um, yeah, yeah. 
It's shot interestingly. Yeah. She does actually give Matt her name, and her name is Electra Nachos. Nachos. Yes. Um, trying to think, what do we find out? Um, he is a crime fighter at night. He... Yes. And we know he's a lawyer by day. We know that um, sometimes when his cases don't go right in court or someone gets off with a crime, he can hear their heartbeat to tell if they're telling the truth or lying. And then so if he, if the justice system doesn't work, then he'll go and track them down at night as Daredevil and beat the living snot out of them. And murder them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember, like, actual plot points in this movie. I know that they get to a – there's a scene – there's a ball of some yes. sort. So um, yeah. he beats up um, one of Fallon's goons. Oh, not Fallon because Fallon's not the king crime boss anymore the crime boss no. is kingpin and they don't know who kingpin yeah. is so um they matt knows that the guy he's prosecuting um on, in court is a member of kingpin's entourage yeah paid off by kingpin and yeah. then so at after the court case gets you know he gets let off and so um matt decides to pay him a, a visit as daredevil and again beats the living snot out of him yes and then i'm not sure really what happens after that but yeah you're right there is a boy. i know we get bullseye in the mix yes. bullseye's hired to take out electra's dad yes and um that's there's the ball with electra sorry and electra and matt talking and we get the rain vision of how beautiful Jennifer Garner is. Um, and then at the ball, um, she, her father, like Kingpin comes up to her father and is like, you know, pity that her, that Electra's mother died in front of her, pity of her father did the same thing. And then so they get out of there and they're driving along, but then Bullseye comes Bullseye along. comes in and kills, well, makes the car crash and then kills the dad. Yes. But in the kerfuffle, Ben Affleck, whoop, Matt as Daredevil. Matt as Daredevil um, tried to leap in the way and grab the thing, but the when like I, I guess Electra looked up and like thought that Daredevil had thrown it instead, because she's convinced that Daredevil killed her dad, not Bullseye. Yeah, so she decides. It's all to go terrible after miscommunications. Daredevil. Yes. Yes, terrible. she has a little montage of training and becoming very cool. She tries to go after Daredevil, um, and then when she's fighting Daredevil. Instead, Bullseye comes along and goes, surprise, it was I. I like to cause problems, and then kills her. <laughs> and then Matt's, like, almost gravely injured, and then he decides to go to the church where his um, mm -hmm. his priest is, and then Bullseye comes along, and they have this big fight scene. He kills Bullseye. Then he goes to find Kingpin, who was played by Michael Clark Duncan, mm -hmm. um, and... Then he he almost kills uh, Kingpin as well, but then he spares his life, and then we just get a scene where he's like, "I'm Daredevil. I protect the streets, the streets of one neighborhood." <laughs> Hell's Kitchen. He micromanages the shit out of Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> There's crap going on in the rest of New York. Nah, -uh. only this block. My motif does not work anywhere else. I read this tweet that was like, the Guardians of the Galaxy protect the galaxy, the Avengers protect the world, and Mad Maddox protects my neighborhood. In Hell's Kitchen. There's always stuff going down. Well, that was the shortest um, summary we've ever done because we didn't remember half of the movie. Look, I think we did a pretty good job. We got the main players, we talked about who died, yep. and yeah, I guess it's just... Yeah, I don't know. 
the little TV show does it much better. We can um, make this this episode as short as possible. Yeah, let's go through it. And then we can talk about some more fun things next week. Yes. Okay, so um, do we want to talk about the feminism first? Yeah, of course. What little there is. Let's, let's go for it. Okay. Um, so... so... What do we think? Um, this, <laughs> is this a feminist film? Yeah, no. Um, the <laughs> thing that I noticed about Electra, well, the first thing I noticed was that Matt, Matt smells her before he sees her, which I found incredibly Ew. creepy, but, like, it I shows know. that his senses are heightened in a way that normal people's aren't. Um, but she's also wearing contacts to make her eyes look creepily green. Okay, it's either contacts or CGI. Yeah, I think it might be CGI. Both of which are very weird. Mm. <laughs> um, and um, I, I think what it, in your notes it says it has, like, the same energy as poor Jessica Alba in the Fantastic Four movies. I don't remember writing that note. Did you write it? Did I? Maybe I did because, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember writing it. I don't know. I just always get so angry because it feels like they can cast whoever they want for their main guy. Mm. And, yes, they try and fit the, uh, the aesthetic description of the comic book character or make it as iconic as possible. But so many actresses, unfortunately and very poorly, get cast for how they look and their body shapes rather than they do for, like, what they bring to the role. Because the script writing is so poor, they don't really even get a chance to shine. Like, Jennifer Garner's a fantastic actor. Jessica Alba's a fantastic actor. But they're just like, I don't know, almost as if to preemptively combat the the nerdy dude bros who are going to be mad about them being cast. They, like make them dye their hair to ridiculous extents. Like Jessica Albers looks like it's always going to snap off in every scene she's in as Sue Storm because she's, she's a Hispanic woman. Like her hair naturally isn't that light. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then in this you've got the weird freaky contacts and it's just, can we just cast them as they look if that's who we want to go for and just not put them through these obnoxious ri- beauty rituals yeah. to replicate to replicate what they look like in a comic book when, like, no women look like comic book women. Well, no, because comic book women don't have any organs. No, of course not. <laughs> They're extremely thin. And there are so many, like, um, issues with male bodies and perceptions and things and all of the disordered eating that the, the male actors have to go through as well. Training for, like, six hours a day and... Can we not just be happy with the actors we cast in them? Mm. Like, we know... We know that they would have been making mediums, not comics, for years if people were meant to look and do things like comic book characters. Anyway. Yeah. It's my little high horse. That's okay. She would have been fine without green contacts. Like, the funny thing is, Electra has, like, black hair in the comics. But, like, they, got, they CG'd the eyes, but not her hair. I don't oh, know. It's too. weird. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. She has, like, dark brown hair in this. Like, um, Jennifer Garner has dark brown hair. Yeah. It's just of all the things. With highlights, yes. Um, yeah, so like I was saying before, she sets up these boundaries that Matt just like blazes right past. Like um, mm. she doesn't want to give him her name. She doesn't want him to touch her and he still grabs her. Like don't just grab women. Don't do it. Just don't Stop grab it. women. It's not fun. Yeah. It's not fun for anyone involved. No means no and leave her alone. And I know that wouldn't accelerate your plot forward, so have a better script that means, like, she actually wants to talk and engage with Matt for some reason. Yeah, like like um, Dana was saying in, our, in a different episode, like, we just need more female um, writers to write these movies because, like, even if they're consulting on the script, that's still a paying job that women can have. 
and they may not get the writing credit, but they would still have a script consultant credit and it would be a lot better than just men writing these scripts without any consultation. Yeah, no, precisely. Um, so we learned that her mother was killed in front of her and this is another, like, dead mummy syndrome that, that like, <sighs> Disney princesses go through. But she is actually, we're actually told what happened to her mother as opposed to just her mother being out of the picture. And, and no one mentioning it all, like, it's normal. That's true. Um, but also, like, how was her mother killed? Mm. Like, why? Like, anything there? Did the kingpin do it as well? Like... I have no idea what the implication is. That's what the implication is. Like, but maybe it was Fallon. Maybe. Who knows? Because we get the sense that her mum died when she was very young and she's just grown up with her father. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. And, yeah, then she ends up with her father dying as well. And uh, I'm trying to think. I guess even with her name, it is an allusion to... Greek tragedy and myth and like the electric figure in mythology. Mm. Like it's very deliberate naming choices where, you know, becomes slightly unhinged when your parental figures die and her whole mythos is about becoming this assassin character in the comics. But it's just give us something. Well, she dies in this movie. I mean, we'll get to that in yeah. a little bit, but like if they wanted to make her this assassin character, they failed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, we will watch the Electra movie as well yes. at some point, which is dead dry and awful, and there's, like, no legitimate connections made between how she is and why she feels the way she does mm. and actually dying. It's just, like, it's just a footnote that they're ticking because it's in her comic history that this happens to her mm. instead of any meaningful character development or how it impacts her or how it influences her. And, again, I love the Daredevil TV show and how they've tried to expand on things. And I can't wait till we get to this easy where we're talking about TV. Okay. I, have, <laughs> I think I've watched like one episode and it just didn't grab me, but then I'm, I'm usually the kind of person who will like watch the first 10 minutes of an episode of a TV show and just be like, nah, Manga board. <laughs> like I did that with Killing Eve as well. Like I watched the first what? like ten minutes of the episode and was like, "This does not grab me at all." And then it wasn't until like I learned more about Villanelle just through my Tumblr, uh, my Twitter dashboard, that I was like, "Actually, maybe what? I would love this show." And I do, and it's my favorite TV show. Yeah, you see, I'm three episodes in, and I can't wait to the holidays so I can watch more. Yes, yes, um, talk to me I about know. it. I will. I promise. No, well, the big thing, okay, again, weirdly off tangent, but sort of related because we're talking about female assassins. I read a really good critique on the Villanelle character and how a lot of Sandra Oh's character is very poorly written because there's no women of colour in the writing room. Yes. And so her character comes across as aloof and annoying and et cetera, whereas it's easier for people in fandoms to project upon the white woman, even if she is the villain. (laughs) So everyone wants to get critical and care about Villanelle. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what I've seen is that people care and like the same, like as much about Eve as they do Villanelle. So I'm, yeah. I've, you know, cultivated a good group of people that I follow who do care about Eve as well. Um, yes. But like, I don't. Maybe we're getting off topic here. Maybe we should just like get back to. Dinner. No, it's okay. It, it is. It is. It's. It's just interesting because I am the first person to advocate for loving like female villains and things like mm. this, but like not for being villainous but because it's like good to see a woman just go absolutely 
him sometimes and like get to unleash unleash the inner beast that we have inside of us all but <laughs> i with electra i just want to see in this movie i feel like it doesn't do enough of a service to her it's like one montage and suddenly she's a killing machine that dies instantly yeah and then in electra her own movie which we'll talk about is just so bland <laughs> so bland uh we'll get to it yeah. Um, so she does become a vigilante when she thinks that Daredevil killed her father. Yeah, that's fair. So, I, I guess. Like Dana was saying, we get this like one montage of her, and then she doesn't even kill anybody. <laughs> no, and it's still all of her motivations rely like upon the men in her life. Mm. Like, there wasn't even a moment where she could have been like, "This is for my 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 father and my mother," mm. and like, you know, this. It's just, yep, okay. All right. Because she doesn't know who killed her mother, and we never get that closure. Wouldn't that have been nice, though? That would have been a nice mystery for her to tug on the whole movie that would have given her a character arc beyond just exactly. Matt and her father. If we could have had her, maybe when she goes in to get the coffee, like, instead of smelling her, Matt overhears her, like, like mumbling to herself as she's investigating her mother's death mm. and trying to track down her own leads. And then it ties into Matt's leads. And then, oh, my God, look at this. We have... Bonding over mutual parent tragedy between our two protagonists, like Amazing. not just. That would have been. You should write this movie. I should, shouldn't. <laughs> and then they actually have a reason to work together. Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot of different takes you can do on the Matt and Electra relationship, and it's just this one. I guess is like this. Yeah. <laughs> so she is like we have um, her father killed to make her turn into a vigilante kind of thing um Mm -hmm. and then we have her killed to kind of like further matt's man pain yep yeah matt has so much man pain he's the most like catholic man i've ever seen in fiction he just always is repenting for sins and people dying in front of him and he's always like flagellating himself over not being man enough to protect (laughs) everyone around him it's a bit embarrassing (laughs) Big cringe for that. <laughs> oh, that's just really sad, actually. I know. And this movie doesn't even play up his, like, cheeky or kooky things. Like, in the comics, he's just always, like, when he's running around as Matt Murdock himself, just making fun of the fact that he could be Daredevil. He throws people off the scent so much because he makes so many jokes about it. Like, I love him just walking around in a sweater that just says, I'm not Daredevil. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, that's ridiculous. Of course you're not. That it's reminds like... me of everyone walking around with the T-shirts that were like, I'm not Becky or I am Becky. <laughs> oh, no. Why would you wear one that says you are? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Um, um, so she has a very revealing outfit. That's, that's oh, my note shit. here, but Dana has some more to say. And Dana put some... Um, put some pictures in beautiful the, pictures in the dot in the notes so that uh that i could that we could compare i've worn corset before i don't think i could do any of this the shit that Electra is doing in a corset like ouch however i think this outfit's actually a step up mm. and like the first reason she gets pants she gets pants my friends like in her original fucking outfit, she's just got, like, this red sort of dress on that's slit all the way up to her bloody, like, I don't even know. It would be equal to where her belly button is. 
on the sides of her and just she's just flopping around there kicking and doing flips and shit with a whole ass pussy hanging out (laughs) this is weird like sash skirt thing and because the slits on the side are so high like she's not wearing underwear Mm. I'm just like what I'm glad she got pants as an upgrade but that's sad that that's the upgrade I'm losing my mind over fashion design in the superhero, like in all the areas of superhero comics and superhero shows and movies. I just like, I want to be the costume designer for all of these people. Let me incorporate classic elements of the design while like tweaking them to make them actually work practically as goddamn outfits. So you're the costume designer and the screenwriter. Yeah, let me do it. That's what I can do. And the director. Yeah, let's go. (laughs) You've got more script writing experience than me. I do. So I should be the script writer. Exactly. That we can collaborate. We need someone who can film. <laughs> Some queer uh, filmmakers. Yes, exactly. To give Electra someone to talk to. Yes, you can see the beautiful pictures I've got. In the Daredevil movie, she's got that slinky, leathery black number, which is very inspired by, like, I don't know, like Catwoman choices, I guess. Mm. So the same. Every 2000s lady superhero just had black leather, especially if they were slightly morally ambiguous. Mm. And we have this same thing that we see in like every superhero movie. And I think it's even in Captain Marvel where they have like heels on or like a wedge. Goddamn heels! She has boots on, with which have like a maybe a two inch heel on them, and it's chunky. But like, it's still like, how the fuck are you supposed to run around in that? You can't. You got to keep it balanced. Like, I've been able to run in, in, in high heels, but I do not do it. Make a habit of doing it. I only do it when I'm missing the train. <laughs> Don't catch me out here flipping between buildings in New York. <laughs> but I do like that. Even though, yes, it's got like it's very low cut. But she looks fantastic. Mm. Um, um, there's accessories, like I guess those gloves and those bands are a choice, and the the choker. Yeah. But she's got full length pants. Yeah, she's got the boots suck, but they're boots instead of being like high heel, like literal strappy high heels. Yeah. It's just but sad that I'm looking for victory points in this. Yeah, she's also like her cleavage is right I there, know. and and that's where she gets stabbed, isn't it? At the end of the day. Maybe is she through the stomach or through the chest stomach, in this one? I think, yeah. Uh, so yeah, but again, that's exposed. Yes, it is. Maybe if she had a bit more of that shitty leather over the top of her stomach, it would have been harder for the goddamn yeah. blades to get through. You know what? It's really hard to cut <laughs> denim, so maybe she should have just been wearing double denim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Let's just make all their female characters dress like lesbians, and then they're set. They're never gonna die. <laughs> of course, they'll die. They're lesbians. You're right. You're right. Well, they just won't exist. Schrodinger's lesbian. So there is a fight scene between Electra and Bullseye where he hits her across the face a couple oh, of times, which... I don't like, like that. I don't like it either. And in, in like, part of my mind is like, but, you know, they're having a fight scene and they will get hurt and she will get hurt because, you know, she's fighting someone with capabilities of fighting. But, um, like, uh, the other part of my mind is like, don't hit women. <laughs> Please stop hitting women. There's a, like if it had just been like significant blows and punches, etc. Like fight hand to hand combat. Yeah. This I think was a deliberate like, or at least like my read on it is bullseye slapping her around, going, "Look how easy it is for me to hit you." Yeah. Just like a spoiled little daddy's girl who's got a couple of like swords, and I'm gonna like hit you and punish you to to show you that like 
it's not pretty. No, it's... <laughs> like you never, you don't see him slap Daredevil across the face when they're fighting. Mm. You see him throw a lot of shit, and you see him like punch him and hit him hard, but you don't see him grab him and just deliberately batter him. <laughs> but yeah, Bullseye killing her like tauntingly right in front of Matt, making it all about Matt not being able to protect her instead of her dying is just not very fun, hey? It's gross. It's pretty gross. <laughs> Oh, okay, no. let's, I think that's we've exhausted everything that we can talk about. Electra, she's like, she's just in this movie to be in leather and to be man pain inducing, and it's sad because I actually really there's a beautiful electric um, comic book run that's come out a few years ago, and I really enjoy it because it like just talks a lot about her struggling with her sense of ethics and morality, and like is very her focused. There's so many things that could be done, but mm. instead we're just so stuck. Women didn't exist until 2018, didn't you know? <laughs> yeah, not until um, not until Black Panther. Yeah, I know. Who else can we talk about in this? Um, there's Miss Sutton. Oh um, yes, she is the woman who is the defendant. Is defend? No, not defendant. Um, she's accused. Yeah, she's the accuser. Matt's the prosecutor on the case. Yes, so she's accused this guy, I can't remember his name, um, who is a Latino man, um, mm. so that's that's double bad. Of She's accused him of raping her, and, um, mm-hmm. and basically nothing happens. The guy gets let, let off, and so that's why Daredevil goes in and, and kills him. In, um, that's like the first time we see him doing a lot of damage. Also because Matt can hear his heartbeat and tell that he's lying and mm. that he's just going to get away with it because he's got more money and isn't a pro bono, has like an actual because I think he's works under Kingpin's various organised crime group and so he's got an expensive lawyer as a defendant mm. um, yeah and knows that he's going to get away with it. I just thought, it makes of, me... I just thought of something. I watched yeah. like all of Dexter and it's not mm-hmm. a very good show. Um, yeah. But I watched all of it. And in some parts, like, he actually botches his evidence. Like, because he's a crime scene investigator. He is, a, like, a he looks at blood. And so, yeah. um, like, he botches some of his evidence sometimes so that he can let, like, the guy will be let off. The, the defendant will be let off and he can go kill them. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I don't, and that's I think the difference between Dexter and Daredevil is that Matt genuinely does want to take people down yep. with the legal system. Yep. He believes in it. That's why he wanted to be a lawyer and everything. But whenever it does let him down, because like as we know in 2020, there are still men every day getting off of cases where there's overwhelming evidence and overwhelming like like looking at the statistics of accusations versus actual instances of assaults like uh, yeah matt is just like well okay court didn't handle it time for me to go get my beaten stick Mm. and go and get this guy (laughs) and make him feel every minute of the time that he didn't get to spend in jail Mm. (laughs) yeah absolutely just fucking lay him out matt no exactly that's a vigilante i can get behind yeah, like you were saying, it's accurate. Yeah, 17 years later, we're still fighting these battles and getting nowhere. Daredevil's in the same vein then as heroes like Punisher or anti-heroes like Punisher, who he tracks down like very violent 
crime, etc., and like just absolutely wants to weed them out. But Matt's not quite to that extent. Matt is like usually just ones that have been punished as kind of like the judge, jury, and executioner. Matt's like, well, I tried to go through the judge and jury. Now let's go. Yeah, Punisher <laughs> just lives by no laws. He does. He has a very strict moral code. Yeah, it's just, it, it just involves like anyone who is a criminal has to go. <laughs> Next woman, there is this woman called Heather, who is Max, uh, Matt's ex-girlfriend. Um, mm-hmm. So she calls him on the phone and she explains things like they've just been sleeping together for three months. It's not really a relationship, but she seems to think it is. And oh, yeah. She She's got that really monotone voice, doesn't she? I can't remember. Yeah. But um, she basically dumps him over phone message. Like... Like... Okay, I imagine that being... Matt's girlfriend would be difficult because he's always in court or always running around as a vigilante. Yeah, it was just a hookup to him. Like, he just didn't care that much. And she, yeah. she just saw more of it than he did. Thought it was something that it wasn't. Yeah, but that's pretty much all we get from Heather. And we also um, see Karen Page, Matt's assistant. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if she gets a name in the movie. I can't... I think in the credits she gets it. Um okay. I know there's a lot of deleted scenes in that extended cut where she's involved a little bit more as well. Okay. And I think she gets a name there. I think Foggy says, yeah, Karen's sorted this out for us or got us some evidence for the case. Mm. But again, that's not in the main text that was released in the cinematic cut. No, um, it's implied that she has the hots for him, but she's only in one scene and we don't get like anything else from her. Queerness, what do we think? Um, I thought that, like, living a secret life and going to church to pray and his priest telling him that vengeance is a sin but helps him anyway is kind of like an allegory for queerness, but... Oh, yeah. Um, I have a lot of friends who are trying to balance their queer identities and their religion and things like that. Luckily, I stopped believing in God before, like, it became too much of a problem. I remember sitting in fourth grade... So I was about 10 years old and in an assembly at my Anglican primary school. And they started trying to talk about how God loves us more than all of the people we've ever met and know on earth. And I'm like, God's never done shit for me, <laughs> I think was my thought process as I started gossiping to my best friend in the middle of this assembly, like, what the fuck? So that was cool. I'm glad I had that before I had all of my, like, being a teenager and being a queer teenager. Didn't have that extra layer to wrestle with. Yeah. That's what about you? Um, I was never religious. Like, I think I've prayed once in my life and it, like, it's because my, um... <laughs> My older brother drove the car through the side of the house when he was oh learning God. how to drive. Like, we were all in the car, so no one was in the house. But it crashed through my, my younger brother's um uh, side of his bedroom. Like, it crashed through the wall. And, um, and then, like, somehow we managed to get it all patched up, like, before my dad came home. <laughs> I have no idea how because my mom just like engineered it like she genied this thing into like somehow the house was just fine again and um, I remember like I don't know what it was but like I sat down I kneeled down by my bed because I because we went to a Christian or Catholic I think it was Catholic um, primary school 
So yeah. I knew about praying, I knew about God, I knew about Jesus. I like knelt down by my bed and I prayed for my brother and I prayed that his room would be okay or something like that. And then I was just, and I was just looking back and I'm like, I shouldn't, like that's the only time I've ever prayed and it was, it was something so trivial. I think I had a lot of hope, but it's not like I'm praying to a God. I'm just like, I'm sending those good vibes out into the universe and hoping that things will work out or... Mm. And, you know, I'm not sure who I talk to when I'm just, like, doing that. It's just usually a, if there is something out there mm. that I cannot comprehend and is bigger than me or multiple things out there, like, please, can I have one good day? Yeah, like, I believe in, <laughs> I don't know, because I, I used to believe in reincarnation. And then because mm-hmm. I was like, you know, if anything happens to me in this life, at least in the next life, I'll get a chance to either redeem myself or live a better life or something like that. And um, but then I went through a depressive period where I was so yeah. like not like suicidally suicidal ideation, I guess is the term that it's called. Um, I, I will like content one in the in the um, yeah in the notes um, description. Yes. Um, but I was like so suicidally depressed that I just was like, I cannot believe in reincarnation anymore because it's so awful that I have to live this one life that I cannot be like, I cannot bear to live anymore. And now I don't even know what I believe. Like I, like I want to believe in kind of like the good place kind of like (laughs) where it's like, you know, we'll get to live with our loved ones. Um, and after we die and that kind of thing but like because i don't know it's gonna make me cry if i think about it too much no i was just about to say i believe in at the very least doing the best we can while we're here Mm. and even if there is nothing that's a consequence when we die or nothing that's a reward when we die isn't the joy that we can bring to other people and how that then in turn helps us and helps us grow and realize that we are capable of doing good things and being good people. Mm. Isn't that something at the end of the day to believe in? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I believe in karma anymore because otherwise Jeff Bezos would be in prison. No, not karma necessarily, but the, the, the power of individual good and the power of like what you can do to improve the lives of people around you. Yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. I think about that. Um, is there anything you want to say about queerness? Um, I guess as well, just that whole idea, you're right, about um, repenting, about doing the act or doing the thing mm. that the Lord tells you not to, but then being like, well, very Catholic, if I go to the priest or if I just flagellate and punish myself about it then and be miserable during every waking moment, mm. I guess I can still be the thing that I am and keep doing it. Mm. <laughs> and um, I also yeah. wrote down, um, after I listened to our Avengers episode again, I wrote down Matt Murdock, Leather Daddy, <laughs> question mark. Oh, oh, gosh. Oh, no. He'd have to, okay, no, we have to have a tangent here. He would have to order that suit from a leather, like, specialist, from, like, a, a sex toy or, yeah. like, a... Oh, like that's where it would have to come from people don't make that shit like it would have to be a tailor who specializes in fetish clothes yeah absolutely that's and they're like oh kinky someone wants to be the devil and spice up their bedroom how nice i don't understand why they think leather is the answer to like their problems when they're moving around a lot and leather is like ah, chafe. chafing oh. and also like notoriously not great at helping you move around 
Like it's less the moving around and more the it's thick, so it's a bit more protection. But they can so wear like, denim. Like denim is the protection. I know. I don't know. It's just I guess that's what they decided look cool looks cool on a superhero. <laughs> Double denim doesn't look cool. I guess because okay, no, the answer is because the way all the comics are drawn, it's just fucking spandex, which isn't going to intimidate That's anyone. True. Yeah. So Daredevil rocking up in a full body leotard is <laughs> elicit the same fear as him rocking up in a leather daddy outfit. <laughs> it's just I, the devil of dares, in my bright red leotard. <laughs> Overgone classic yellow. <laughs> Isn't that, um, like, uh, Wolverine has a bright yellow uh, spandex no, you're outfit? Right. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> yeah, but the original Daredevil had, um, yellow and brown. Oh, <laughs> gross. I know, and I'm like, why is it even red? Anyway, okay. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the one single-handedly keeping all those stores in business. <laughs> and his custom, like, I guess his custom, like, baton cane as well. Who knows? Mm. <laughs> Who's making this stuff? Surely they'd be able to look at their PayPal receipts and be like, oh, shit, that's Daredevil. <laughs> oh, that credit card. That's that lawyer guy. Anyway. Um, yeah. So there are a couple, like, general things that I want to talk about. Um, so this is yes. the second disabled character that we've examined on the podcast after Steve Rogers. We didn't really touch on Steve's disabilities when we were talking about TFA, but... Um, I think that's because a lot of them get cured. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basically, Steve is cured of all his disabilities in a very eugenics kind of way. Yeah, in a very... What makes the perfect man is that he is eight feet tall and white as an ox and has no asthma. Muscle like. and muscle. <sighs> but um, Matt stays disabled throughout this, but also yes. there's the classic trope of, like, blind but not really. Yeah, he has a way of still being able to be superhuman and... Like, I guess it's interesting because it's it's representation for disability, but is it accurate or is it... Like, I, I think they try and pepper it in with the idea of him folding his money at the start mm. and all of... Like, there's Braille when he's reading his books, studying for school. Like, they try to pepper in that he still needs that stuff, but then he can do flips. He can just jump from like roof to roof and yeah it's it's not very consistent and they also use the term handicapped in this film and it's like oh lord this is definitely 2003 (laughs) it is yeah you know what i think some people would probably still use that term today and that's uh, the only the only time we should ever use handicapped is when we're talking about nerfing the good players in mario kart and turning on that feature on the Nintendo Switch. We should not use it to ascribe to people or talk about disabilities at all. No. Never. Um, there's also the portrayal of Michael Clark Duncan's character as Kingpin, like Kingpin as a criminal mastermind of organized crime, and Michael Clark Duncan is a black man. Yeah. And so my point about this is that you can have a character of color who is a villain. The problem is that when that is when the only portrayal of a person of color in your film is as a villain. No, exactly. And I think he's fantastic. He has such gravitas in this role. Mm. Role. He's got that swagger and that intimidation and everything. But how much of that is rooted in that whole stereotypical idea of race mm. and of black men as intimidating? 
Yeah, and, like, as a criminal. Mm. Like, whereas Kingpin's thing has always been, like, he's a white-collar corporate criminal for a lot. Like, he's he's Hell's Hell's Kitchen's Lex Luthor. And, like, more more on the ground controlling crime and mob than Lex Luthor is. But that's literally the models, like, that, that greedy man, that greedy white dude who can keep getting away with his court cases because he's mirrored behind his wealth and his privilege, so to speak. <laughs> so it's really interesting and, un- like, choice here. That's not how he comes across in the film no exactly but like in in um spider-man comics where kingpin is also a villain and daredevil comics it's always like kingpin is going to like um gentrify and do up this part of hell's kitchen because he wants to use it as like a secret warehouse for smuggling weapons and drugs like you know he's always hiding behind his philanthropy Mm. for his area and he's like i'm the resident of hell's kitchen and want to see it flourish sort of thing i guess but it's all organized crime yeah i guess the only part of that that they kept and that they transferred onto this movie is when he throws that ball. No, exactly. And that is that, yeah. But they don't do enough. And and making that choice where they take this sleazy corporate villain and crime villain and make him a, a black man is interesting. Yeah. It is a choice. Yeah, they specifically, like he, like you were saying, he's white in the comics, but they specifically chose Michael Clark Duncan to play him. It's yeah. Like, why? Why did they do that? If we had more characters, like if we had more characters of colour, like Foggy or Electra being played by a person of colour, mm. we wouldn't automatically just go, yeah, we need more examples. We need more than just our one person of colour being a villain. And you throw in that we've got the guy in the court who is Mexican, and that's delightful. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where he's from. Oh, sorry, Hispanic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is kind of something that we were talking about in our Avengers episode, but I just want to reiterate that, like, just because they want to pretend that racism doesn't exist in the MCU doesn't mean it doesn't exist in real life. And um, we'll probably talk more about this in TWS because I know a bit more about um, the Cap fandom than I do other fandoms. But um, the racism, like, directed towards actors by the, in quotes, fans, the way the characters of colour are dismissed or over-sexualised or just depicted in general, shows that we're not getting anywhere by just having characters of colour on screen. We need to, like, Mm -hmm. have these uncomfortable conversations and not pretend, like, racism doesn't exist because it does and it has real-world consequences. And there is actually an instance in this movie where we know that racism does exist because a character uses um, a word for mixed-race people that I won't repeat. Um, And, uh, yeah, so we do know that, like, it does exist, but they they haven't, like just by having Michael Clark Duncan as kingpin is kind of like, you know, it's racist. It's a racist portrayal. It just Mm -hmm. is. And they didn't think about it when they cast him and they didn't think about it when they wrote the character. And it really shows that this is written by a white man and directed by Mm -hmm. a white man. Um, so you can't yeah. just like slap a character on screen and say we're gonna change his race so that the SJWs don't come for us because that creates no. problems when you don't think critically about the character and the representation you're trying for. Uh, we'll see this again in Ant Man and the Wasp when the two black characters are both villains and one is cured of her disabilities. Yeah, yeah. The problem is white writers and directors who have no accountability and no one in power pushing back against them. 
Um, I have this quote from Tyon J. Coleman that says, diversity is not the presence of brown and black bodies. It's the amount of power that's distributed to them. So diversity mm-hmm. is not just the power, uh, is not just the people you put on screen. And it's not just how you present them on screen. It's also about the power that people of color have behind the scenes. And in the case of Marvel, especially black people, because there are so many black characters and so many characters that are white in the comics who are played by black actors. We need them and their experiences to be portrayed by people with that experience we need those writers on that team Mm. we need those consultants instead of it always just being whatever white directors and producers and screenwriters want to happen exactly so diversity Mm. as the definition that ty coleman gives us is what's needed exactly yeah that's it's um, that's all i wanted to say i think i think so i think this movie again We weren't expecting leaps and bounds in queerness and feminism, but I think it does open important conversations about representation. Mm. And we we just need to see people putting love and care into their films and not just making it for the sake of making it. Not just making it, especially this one, which has had had someone with a disability. It has a woman who's fridged yet again, time and time again. It has people of colour being cast in villainous roles. Just... (laughs) can we just stop and have some test audiences and have some people on our consulting teams who can offer their experiences and their inputs? It's ridiculous. It's been 17 years and it's only just started in Marvel. Ah, it's fucked. All right. Um, is this a movie we would recommend? Nope. No. (laughs) (laughs) If we were going to remake it today, what would we do to improve it? Give Electra a side storyline, mm-hmm. which ties more importantly into how she and that can interact. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see more characters of colour. Mm-hmm. I would love to see queerness as well. Mm-hmm. Can we please get something, please? Even if Froggy is like, you know, my boyfriend or whatever, or like hits on yeah. a guy at the party or something. Yeah, yeah. In a disastrous please. way because he's hilarious. <laughs> is it Froggy or Foggy? It's Foggy. Foggy, okay. Foggy Nelson. Froggy <laughs> Ribbit. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's all right. No, um, yeah, we just, please. I know this was the first step in a long journey for Marvel and their movie properties, but the fact that it's still the same many, 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 many movies later. Yeah. And I recommend, yeah, the Daredevil TV show where they give more time and more characterization even then, though, there's still a bit more that could be done to improve it, which we'll talk about when we get to our TV season. Yes, in, like, season four or five. Yes, yeah. <laughs> long-term goals. <laughs> We're in it for the long haul. We've got vision. I'm with you till the end of the line. Oh, God. Gay <laughs> <laughs> It's um, so gay. Yeah. This is, like, literally the gayest thing I've ever heard. I, you gave me the perfect opportunity to say it. I'm just talk- like, of course I'm talking about the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to shut up because I know. All right. What are we, what's happening? Where can they find us? Where can our listeners talk to us and engage with us? Yes. You can uh, find us at Marvel's pod on Twitter and Tumblr. And you can also hit us up at Marvel's podcast at gmail.com. Um, Please write me digital yes. love letters. I love, I will reply. I'll have a chat. We'll engage and have some Sweet, sweet discourse. Yes, talk to Dana. She'll love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then don't talk to tweet me. at Lisa. <laughs> don't talk to me. <laughs> Just don't. Lisa likes the tweets short and sweet. 
I will respond to our loving, adoring emails. Yes. Uh, so next <laughs> next week, what are we watching? We're going to be watching Blade next week. Mm, I've already seen it. It's <laughs> well done. It's I need to do my homework. I'm having a holiday very, very soon, and I'm excited to just plow through a whole bunch of movies. Sounds great. No, um, and yeah, until then, guys, make sure you stay marvelous.